So as we begin uh, this time of reflection and prayer, just take, take a moment. I kind of did this, I think, last week. Maybe you guys weren't. Maybe it was another math. But just close your eyes a moment. Just be aware of our surroundings, the, the air, temperature on our face, on our hands, our bodies. Listen to the sounds you hear in the church. As you pay attention to your breathing. Feel the weight of your body on the pew. encourage you to do that frequently it's a good way to prepare for prayer you know sometimes we jump right into prayer but we don't prepare you know when you don't prepare it's probably not going to go so well when you're in it right so it's good to prepare for prayer i'm um, just pay attention to your breathing stuff like that really paying attention go through your five senses you know what do you see what do you hear what do you smell you know again pay attention to all of your surroundings because prayer is communicating ourselves to god right well, today in the scriptures, we hear a lot about this joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say sometimes. Think about joy. What is joy? If I ask you guys what the definition of joy is, what is joy? Joy, St. Thomas says joy is when you're in possession of a good. It's like, think of, uh, think of ice cream or something you like to eat. <laughs> you're thinking about it, you can't yet experience it. So you're thinking about the ice cream, about the pizza, about whatever it is you like to eat. But then when you possess it, when you're tasting the ice cream, you're experiencing that joy. You're experiencing it. You're possessing that good. And so today, in our gospel, John the Baptist is preaching. You can just imagine this crowd of people. They're coming into this desert location. There's nothing really to do there other than to listen to John the Baptist preach. And he's obviously drawing a crowd because he's saying things that are tapping into people's desires. John the Baptist is preaching a message. People aren't just like, oh, I'm just going to go listen to this guy. They're, they're leaving the city and they're going to the desert to listen to John the Baptist preach. And he's talking about the coming of the Lord. He's talking about repentance. You know, prepare the way of the Lord. Last week we heard about, you know, let the mountains be and in the valleys be filled make straight the way of the Lord and the, those those mountains are those things in our lives that are our excesses our indulgence what are we where's the mountains of indulgence in your life that you need to level and what are the valleys what are you lacking in maybe your prayers lacking maybe your patience is lacking maybe your joy is lacking maybe you're just feeling empty or, or disconnected uh, maybe your marriage is lacking, your family's lacking. I mean, everybody in here, I'm sure, could relate. There's something lacking um, in our lives. Maybe it's peace. But the point is, is the Lord said, let me fill in those areas that are lacking. Let me level the mountains of indulgence of, 
of false worship of idols and things that we give more of our life to than him. And so in our gospel, John the Baptist is preaching these things. And what happens? It says here, the crowds ask him, this is you and me, the crowds ask him, what should we do? And it says here, he said, whoever has two cloaks, share with the person who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. Then the tax collectors, tax collectors asked the same thing. What should we do? What should we do? Then the soldiers come to him. What should we do? When you ask the question, what should we do? That means you realize you don't have something that someone else does. And you want what they have, but you don't have it yet. So you want to know how to get it. What should we do? How do I attain that? I want that. And so this weekend, we're talking about, you know, Gaudete Sunday is about the joy of the Lord. How do we get this joy? How do we receive this joy? What do we need to do to receive the joy of the Lord? And sometimes we make normal what's abnormal. I was talking to a, a probation officer the other day, and this person was sharing with me about these things called drug courts, right? Where these men and women who go through these drug courts basically is they have regular meetings with people that can help them. They have community, they have fellowship, and they're real raw and they're honest and they're coming out into the light. They're exposing themselves. They even tattletale on themselves when they when they when they cut shortcuts or when they do things they shouldn't be doing, their group holds them accountable. Super accountability. They know their life's not manageable. They know they're out of control. They know they've lost control. They know they can't say no to these drugs or to this addiction of whatever it be. So they need help. And they're not afraid to ask for it. But they were kind of forced into it because they got caught. And they got in trouble. Now at the time when they got caught and in trouble, they might have thought, this is terrible. But it's actually been the best thing that could ever happen to them. They got in trouble and they probably were saved from dying. They were probably saved or preserved from losing control in even a more dangerous way and destroying other people's lives, destroying their own family's lives, destroying their own lives, destroying life. And so sin is destructive. It's flashy, it's glittery, it looks good from the outside, but on the inside it's, it's rotten. It's, it's superficial, it's shallow. But all of us can get enticed. And we see this and we see that, we want this and we want that. But today is like, we need to ask the question, what do I need to do to get real joy? Real joy, not counterfeit joy, but real joy. I want the real thing. And I go back to my own conversion when I was in college, when I encountered Jesus Christ and I encountered the Lord on the college campus. It, it started when I was in the gym working out and I saw a priest who came up to me, saw my brown scapular and he invited me, hey, why don't you come up and get to know some of the students? I didn't know anyone on the campus. I was just kind of wherever, just doing my thing at the gym, working out. And then I remember one day going to the chapel mass and seeing all these college students and they had something I didn't have they had genuine joy they had happiness and peace and joy they had fun but they had joy 
real joy. And then I started asking the question, what do I need to do to get that? I want that. They were attractive because their spirits were light. They had peace. They had joy. They had good friendships, fellowships, genuine friendships, people that care about people, real friendships, kind of like these drug court, these groups of men and women. They, they build true friendships and relationships. They share their brokenness. They open themselves. They're vulnerable. They grow together as a community. And they don't have anything to hide behind anymore. And so I remember seeing these students and I said, what do I need to do to get that? So I started asking them, well, what are you guys doing? And some of the things I saw them doing was they would go to the soup kitchen. They would stand outside the abortion mill and pray for the unborn. They would visit <laughs> prisons or jails. They would go to confession. And I would ask him, how do you go to confession? Not just go and name your sins. Like, oh, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to do this. If you're just doing it because you're supposed to do it, you don't get it. It's not doing it because you're supposed to do it. You're not in touch. You got to get in touch with your hearts. We are sinners. We are broken. We are weak. We're toxic in our work. We need help. We need saved. And so we turn to Jesus. Lord, have mercy on me. God's not out to get us. He don't care about your sin. He cares about you. And me, he wants to save us, heal us, bring us into joy, true joy, true joy. So I have been, I started doing what the students did. I remember when I went home on an Easter and I went through the catechism of the Catholic Church because I wanted what they had and I didn't quite know how to do it, but someone told me, well, do an examination of conscience. That means you're, you take, you know, outside the confessionals, you'll see these books or you can go online there's a great app called Laudate, L-A-U-D-E-T-E, L-A-U-D-E-T-E, -E, yeah, Laudate. You can go online and download. It has a good examination on there. Go to the search catechism of the Catholic Church, Ten Commandments. You'll be blown away by the detail of what is involved with commandment number one and commandment number two and commandment number three. Part of AA in any drug court or anything where people are going through recovery is they take an inventory of their life and they tell someone else about their sin, about their weakness, about their brokenness. As Catholics, we do the same thing. We go to confession. We tell someone else about our sin, our brokenness. There's something about exposing yourself, trust and vulnerability and giving access to God to that area that is very healing. People spend hundreds of dollars to go talk to a psychologist. Nothing against anyone here that's a psychologist. But my point is, it's free here. St. Gerald's is free. Granted, we're not psychologists, but we come to confession and just disclose our hearts. Disclose your heart. So I remember sitting at home, laying on my bed, doing a great examination of conscience. And I remember writing down all my sins. And it took pages and pages, let me tell you. I wrote pages down, literally, like pages of sins in a notebook. And I never did this. This is the first time I would say I'm making a real confession. The other confessions were just because mom and dad dragged me to confession. But now I was deciding I'm going to do this the right way, and I want to do it because I want what those students have. 
And so I went home, I did a good examination of my life, examining my life. And it was scary. It was scary a little bit because, you know, when you start looking truly at yourself honestly and not pretending or putting things aside that you don't like talking about or dealing with, when you truly face yourself, just totally here I am, Lord. It can be a little scary. But God's not out to condemn or hurt us. He's out to save us. See, when you go to confession, you're being human. You're being honest. You're naming where you need saved, helped, healed, perfectly, especially loved. Jesus, this is where I need to be loved. This is where I'm ashamed. This is where I feel guilt. This is where I feel like empty. I feel disconnected. And so I did that. I made a good confession. And I remember that experience changed my life forever. It was very hard, but I did a good confession, and I remember walking out of that confessional literally floating, like feeling so free, feeling like I could breathe. I felt so free. I didn't know I was so weighed down until I got done with confession, and then I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to tell others about this. I want to give this experience to everybody. I want everyone to have this experience that I'm having right now. There's nothing that beats it, nothing. When you experience that light, that freedom, that joy, the Lord is alive in you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I lived this many years without that. That's torturing myself. Why did I do that to myself? Nobody told me. Nobody told me growing up. I didn't know. And again, yeah, people said, well, go to confession, go to confession. But I didn't experience the joy and maybe it was just because I was a stubborn teenager at the time or whatever it be but I don't know but the point is is I needed to see people my age that had the joy of Jesus I needed to see other students like me that had the joy of Jesus in their life and as I experienced that guys it opened me up to a whole new understanding of a relationship with the living God he's not dead he's alive and he's coming to you today to give you joy, true joy, true joy. And tonight, we have a lot of priests coming to hear confessions here at St. Gerald. So I would encourage you tonight to come. But before you come, prepare. Prepare. If you don't prepare, it's just another thing you do. Preparing is so important for a good confession. Preparing for prayer, like I did before I started the homily here. Preparing for mass. Preparing for work. Preparing. Preparing is important. It's part of our journey every day. So I want to encourage you guys. Ask yourself the question, what do I need to do? And I'm kind of sharing this with you, what you can do. Do what the Lord says to do. Come to confession. Name your sins. Be set free delivered visit the sick visit the homebound come to me you are burdened and laboring i will give you rest experiencing jesus's love come to me come to me we're going to be starting up soon not too long out another alpha this is an opportunity for you to sign up if you've never gone through alpha sign up for the alpha and go through it it's another experience of being with brothers and sisters in the lord 
who are growing together, strengthening your faith in your journey together. I encourage you to do that. We're going to have a lot of guests, obviously, on Christmas Day here at St. Gerald's. A lot of people come into church. You know, the, the, the CEO Catholics, the Christmas Easter Catholics, right? So you have these Catholics. They only come at Christmas and only come at Easter. We, we, we embrace them. We love them. We, we pour hospitality radically into people that are going to be visiting our parish. We don't protect our pew. Like, you can't sit here. This is my pew. No. You park intentionally at the back of the parking lot so that the guests that are coming will have the front of the parking lot. Unless you're over a certain age. So if you're young and you can walk on Christmas celebrations, don't park up close. Park in the back because that's what Jesus would say. We want to make our guests feel welcome. We want to be joyful here. We don't want to be like, that's my pew. I can't believe that so-and-so is sitting in my pew. You were here all year. How could you sit in my pew? That's not a good attitude, right? So just realize, what are we about here? We're about bringing the joy of Jesus in our people's lives. That's part of our mission statement, to share in our master's joy. That's why I became a priest, because I tasted it. I possessed it. I didn't just look at ice cream. I tasted it. I experienced Jesus for real. He's not an idea. He's a real, true, living God, and he's waiting for you and I to open ourselves to him in the sacrament of confession here at Mass. And, and to experience, we've got to empty ourselves out. Sometimes we're full of stuff, and we can't put anything in, so we've got to empty ourselves out in confession so there's room, for the, there's room in the stable for Jesus. You know, the scripture at Christmas, there's no room for him in the end. We got to make room for him. And that's what confession is about, making room for Jesus in our lives. I didn't just become a priest because I had nothing else to do. I became a priest because I experienced Jesus and I wanted to give him to others radically and spend my life for you, giving you Jesus every weekend, every day, any time. 24-7, Jesus, for you. And so I invite you, I invite you, the most warmest invitation. Come to confession, do a good examine. You can look it up online, examination of conscience. You can go to the Catechism of Catholic Church online. If you have one at home, great. But you can look all these things up, the Ten Commandments, and just go through them. And it's not just, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Under that commandment, there's many other things than just using the Lord's name in vain. The church goes into detail. What does that mean? And then you start realizing, oh, I need, to, I, I need healing. I'm, I'm, I got sin. I need saved. I need healing. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know it's scary sometimes, and we keep putting it off. But I encourage everyone here, don't be afraid. No one's going to surprise me. <laughs> You're not original. Everyone in here has sins like everyone else. And you might think your sins are this way or that way, but I used to think that before I was able to hear confessions. But when I, when I, when I was not able to hear confessions, I was like, oh, I must be the only one with these sins. And then you start to realize, as a priest, everyone has sins like you have. So you're not an original. You might even think you can conjure something up that's amazing. Guess what? You're not an original. You are sinners like me. I go to confession. We all need to go. It's healing. It's actually a 
good, it's, it's good mental health. It's good practice for just a good, healthy person to acknowledge your sins and your failures and to confess and name them. Take responsibility for the choices you and I have made that have hurt God and hurt others. And so let's pray for these graces today as we celebrate this Mass. And I just leave you with the final words of that second reading. Then, then, so if you do truly make a good confession, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You'll be guarded and protected from anxiety and fears when you just open yourself radically like that. And so let's pray for each other. Because I know there's people here and people in our church that are afraid. People that haven't been in months or years and years and years. But I say, today is your day. This is your year. This is your time. Come. Come. Come to me. Come. Jesus says, come to me. Don't be afraid. And we'll help you. If you haven't gone in a while, say, Father, I really don't know how to start. That's what you say when you come in. Father, I don't know what I'm doing. Haven't been here in years. I just need some help. Well, we'll help you. We'll help you. Okay?